0: Section 21 of The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 4 by Rossiter Johnson, Charles F. Horn, and John Rudd. Section 21 the Hegira, Part Two, The Career of Mahomet, The Koran, and Mahometan Creed. A.D. six twenty two, Simon Ogley. Toward the end of this year, Mahomet, going into the house of zaid did not find him at home, but happened to espy his wife zainab so much in disabille as to discover beauties enough to touch a heart so amorous as his was. He could not conceal the impression made upon him, but cried out, Praised be God who turneth men's hearts as he pleases. Zainab heard him and told it to her husband when he came home. Zaid, who had been greatly obliged to Mahomet, was very desirous to gratify him and offered to divorce his wife. Mahomet pretended to dissuade him from it, but Zaid, easily perceiving how little he was in earnest, actually divorced her. Mahomet thereupon took her to wife and celebrated the nuptials with extraordinary magnificence, keeping open house upon the occasion, notwithstanding this step gave great offence to many who could not bring themselves to brook that a prophet should marry his son's wife, for he had before adopted Zaid for his son to salve the affair, therefore, he had recourse to his usual expedient. Gabriel brought him a revelation from heaven in which God commands him to take the wife of his adopted son on purpose that forever after believers might have no scruple in marrying the divorced wives or widows of their adopted sons, which the Arabs had before looked upon as unlawful. The apostle is even reproved for fearing men in this affair, whereas he ought to know God koran chapter thirty three in the sixth year he subdued several tribes of the arabs among the captives was a woman of great beauty named whom mahomet took to wife and by way of dowry released all her kindred that were taken prisoners when mahomet went upon any expedition it was generally determined by lots which of his wives should go with him at this time it fell to ayesha's lot to accompany him upon their return to medina ayesha was accused of intriguing with one of the officers of the army and was in great disgrace for about a month the prophet was exceedingly chagrined to have his best beloved wife accused of adultery but his fondness for her prevailed over his resentment, and she was restored to his favor under her own protestation of her innocence. This, however, did not satisfy the world, nor indeed was the prophet's mind perfectly at ease on the subject, until Gabriel brought him a revelation, wherein Aisha is declared innocent of the crime laid to her charge while those who accuse believers of any crime without proof are severely reproved and a command given that whosoever accuses chaste women and cannot produce four eyewitnesses in support of the charge shall receive eighty stripes koran chapter twenty four in obedience to this command all those who had raised this report upon Aisha were publicly scourged, except Abdullah, son of Abu Salul, who was too considerable a man to be so dealt with, notwithstanding he had been particularly industrious in spreading the scandal. Mahomet, being now increased in power, marched his army against Mecca, and a battle being fought on the march wherein neither side gaining the advantage a truce was agreed upon for ten years on the following conditions all within mecca who were disposed were to be at liberty to join mahomet and those who had a mind to leave him and return to mecca were to be equally free to do so but for the future if any meccans deserted to him they should be sent back upon demand and that mahomet or any of the Mussulmans might come to mecca provided they came unarmed and tarried not above three days at a time mahomet was now so well confirmed in his power that he took upon himself the authority of a king and was by the chief men of his army inaugurated under a tree near medina and having by the truce obtained for his followers free access to mecca he ordained they should henceforward make their pilgrimages thither among the arabs it had been an ancient usage to visit the Kaba once a year to worship there the heathen deities mahomet therefore thought it expedient to comply with a custom with which they were pleased and which besides was so beneficial to his native place by bringing a great concourse of pilgrims to it that when he afterward came to be master of mecca he enforced the pilgrimage with most of the old ceremonies belonging to it only taking away the idols and abolishing this worship Though he now took upon himself the sovereign command and the insignia of royalty, he still retained the sacred character of chief pontiff of his religion, and transmitted both these powers to his caliphs or successors, who, for some time, not only ordered all matters of religion, but used, especially upon public occasions, to officiate in praying and preaching in their mosques. In process of time, this came to be all the authority the caliphs had left, for, about the year of the Hegira, 325, the governors of provinces seized the regal authority and made themselves kings of their several governments. They continued, indeed, to pay a show of deference to the caliph, who usually resided at Baghdad, whom, however, they occasionally deposed. At this present time, most Mahometan princes have a person in their respective dominions who bears this sacred character, and is called the Mufti in Turkey, and in Persia, the Sadre. He is often appealed to as the interpreter of the law, but as a tool of state, usually gives such judgment as he knows will be most acceptable to his prince. Mahomet used at first, when preaching in his mosque at Medina, to lean upon a post of a palm-tree driven into the ground. But being now invested with greater dignity, by the advice of one of his wives, he had a pulpit built, which had two steps up to it, and a seat within. When Othman was caliph, he hung it with tapestry— and Moawiyah raised it six steps higher that he might be heard when he sat down, as he was forced to do, being very fat and heavy, whereas all predecessors all used to stand. Mahomet had now a dream that he held in his hand the key of the Kaaba, and that he and his men made the circuits round it and performed all the ceremonies of the pilgrimage having told his dream next morning he and his followers were all in high spirits upon it taking it for an omen that they should shortly be masters of mecca accordingly great preparations were made for an expedition to this city the prophet gave it out that his only intent was to make the pilgrimage he provided seventy camels for the sacrifice which were conducted by seven hundred men ten to each camel. As, however, he apprehended opposition from the Korishites, he took with him his best troops to the number of fourteen hundred men, besides an incredible number of wandering Arabs from all parts. The Korishites, alarmed at the march of the Mussulmans, got together a considerable force and encamped about six miles from Mecca. Mahomet continued his march, but finding by his spies the enemy had posted their men so as to stop the passes in his feints and counter-marches came to a place where his camel fell upon her knees the people said she was restive but the prophet took it for a divine intimation that he should not proceed any farther in his intended expedition but wait with resignation till the appointed time he therefore turned back and encamped without the sacred territory at hodabia the koreshites sent three several messengers the last two men of consequence to demand what was his intention in coming thither he answered that it was purely out of a devout wish to visit the sacred house and not with any hostile design mahomet also sent one of his own men to give them the same assurance but the korishites cut the legs of his camel and would also have killed the man had not the ahabishites interposed and helped him to escape upon this he wished omar to go upon the same errand but he excused himself as not being upon good terms with the korishites at last othman was sent who delivered his message and was coming away when they told him he might if he wished make his circuits round the Kaaba. but upon his replying he would not do so until the apostle of god had first performed his vow to make the holy circuits they were so greatly provoked that they laid him in irons in the musulman army it was reported that he was killed at which Mahomet was much afflicted, and said aloud, We will not stir from hence till we have given battle to the enemy. Thereupon the whole army took an oath of obedience and fealty to the prophet, who, on his part, by the ceremony of clapping his hands one against the other, took an oath to stand by them as long as there was one of them left. The Qurayshites sent a party of eighty men toward the camp of the Mussulmans to beat up their quarters. Being discovered by the sentinels, they were surrounded, taken prisoners, and brought before Mahomet, who, thinking it proper at that time to be generous, released them. In return, Sohel, son of Amru, was sent to him with proposals of peace, which he agreed to accept. Mahomet, pretending he had a divine promise of a great booty, returned to Medina, and having concluded a peace for ten years with the Koroshites, was the better enabled to attack the Jews, his irreconcilable enemies. Accordingly, he went to Hebar, a strong town about six days' journey northeast of Medina, and took that and several other strong places, whereto the Jews had retired, and carried a vast deal of treasure this all fell into the hands of the Mussulmans. being entertained at khaybar a young jewess to try as she afterwards said whether he were a prophet or not poisoned a shoulder of mutton a joint mahomet was particularly fond of one of those who partook of it at the table named basher died upon the spot but Mahomet, finding its taste disagreeable, spat it out, saying, "'This mutton tells me it is poisoned. "'The miracle-mongers improve this story "'by making the shoulder of mutton speak to him. "'But if it did, it spoke too late, "'for he had already swallowed some of it, "'and of the effects of that morsel he complained in his last illness, "'of which he died three years after.' in this year Janabi mentions mahomet's being bewitched by the jews having made a waxen image of him they hid it in a well together with a comb and a tuft of hair tied in eleven knots the prophet fell into a very wasting condition till he had a dream that informed him where these implements of witchcraft were and accordingly had them taken away in order to untie the knots Gabriel read to him the last two chapters of the Qur'an, consisting of eleven verses. Each verse untied a knot, and when all were untied, he recovered. This year, Mahomet had a seal made with this inscription, Mahomet the Apostle of God. This was to seal his letters, which he now took upon him to write to diverse princes, inviting them to Islamism. His first letter to this effect was sent to Badlam, Viceroy of Yemen, to be forwarded to Khosrow, King of Persia. Husra tore the letter and ordered Badham to restore the prophet to his right mind or send him his head. Husra was presently after murdered by his son Sirois. Badham with his people turned Mussulmans, and Mahomet continued him in his government. He also sent a letter of the same purport to the Roman emperor Heraclius. Heraclius received the letter respectfully and made some valuable presents to the messenger. He sent another to Machoas, viceroy of Egypt, who returned in answer he would consider of the proposals, and sent, among other presents, two young maidens, one of these named Mary, of fifteen years of age, Mahomet debauched. This greatly offended two of his wives, Hafsa and Aisha, and to pacify them he promised upon oath to do so no more. But he was soon taken again by them, transgressing in the same way. And now that he might not stand in awe of his wives any longer, down comes a revelation which is recorded in the 66th chapter of the Koran, releasing the prophet from his oath, and allowing him to have concubines if he wished. And the two wives of Mahomet, who, upon the quarrel about Mary, had gone home to their fathers, being threatened in the same chapter with a divorce, were glad to send their fathers to him to make their peace with him, and obtain his permission for their return. They were fain to come and submit to live with him upon his own terms. Mahomet sent letters at the same time to the king of Ethiopia, who had before professed Islamism, and now in his answer repeated his profession of it. He wrote to two other Arabian princes, who sent him disagreeable answers, which provoked him to curse them. He sent also to al-Mandar, king of Bahrain, who came into his religion, and afterward routed the Persians and made a great slaughter of them. And now all the Arabians of Bahrain had become converts to his religion. Among the captives taken at Khaibar was Safia, betrothed to the son of Kenana, the king of the Jews. Mahomet took the former to wife and put Kenana to the torture to make him discover his treasure. In the action at Kraybar, it is said Ali, having his bucklers struck out of his hand, took one of the gates off its hinges and used it for a buckler till the place was taken. The narrator of this story asserts that he and seven men tried to stir the gate and were not able one of the articles of the peace being that any Mussulman might be permitted to perform his pilgrimage at mecca the prophet went to that city to complete the visitation of the holy places which he could not do as he intended when at hodaiba hearing upon this occasion the meccans talking of his being weakened by the long marches he had made to show the contrary in going round the kaaba seven times he went the first three rounds in a brisk trot, shaking his shoulders the while, but performed the four last circuits in a common walking pace. This is the reason why Mussulmans always perform seven circuits round the Kaaba in a similar manner. In the eighth year of the Hegira, Khaled son of Al-Walid, Amru son of Alas, and Othman son of Tella, who presided over the Kaaba, became Muslims. This was a considerable addition to Mahomet's power and interest. The same year Mahomet, having sent a letter to the governor of Bostra in Syria, as he had to others, and his messenger being slain there, sent Zaid, son of Harith, with three thousand men to Muta in Syria, against the Roman army, which, with their allies, made a body of nearly one hundred thousand men. Zaid being slain, the command fell to Jafar, and upon his death to Abdallah son of Rawahas, who was also killed. Thereupon the Mussulmans unanimously chose Khaled for their leader, who defeated the enemy, and returned to Medina with a considerable booty, on which account Mahomet gave him the title of the Sword of God. The same year the Koreshites assisted some of their allies against the Kozaits, who were in alliance with Mahomet. This the latter resented as an infraction of the peace. Abu Sufyan was sent to try to make up matters, but Mahomet would not vouchsafe to receive his explanation. But having made his preparation to fall upon them before they could be prepared to receive him, he advanced upon Mecca with about ten thousand men. Abu Safian, having come out of the town in the evening to reconnoiter, he fell in with al-Abbas, who, out of friendship to his countrymen, had ridden from the army with the hope of meeting some straggling Meccans whom he might send back with the news of Mahomet's approach, and advise the Meccans to surrender. Al-Abbas, recognizing Abu Safian's voice, called to him and advised him to get up behind him and go with him, and in all haste make his submission to mahomet this he did and to save his life professed islamism and was afterward as zealous in propagating as he had hitherto been in opposing it mahomet had given orders to his men to enter mecca peaceably but Khalid, meeting with a party who discharged some arrows at him fell upon them and slew twenty-eight of them Mahomet sent one of his helpers to bid him desist from the slaughter, but the messenger delivered quite the contrary order, commanding him to show them no mercy. Afterward, when Mahomet said to the helper, Did not I bid you to tell Khalid not to kill anybody in Mecca? It is true, said the helper, and I would have done as you directed me, but God would have it otherwise, and God's will was done. When all was quiet, Mahomet went to the Kaaba, and rode round it upon his camel seven times, and touched with his cane a corner of the black stone with great reverence. Having alighted, he went into the Kaaba, where he found images of angels, and a figure of Abraham holding in his hand a bundle of arrows, which had been made use of for deciding things by lot. All these, as well as three hundred and sixty idols which stood on the outside of the Kaaba, he caused to be thrown down and broken in pieces. As he entered the Kaaba, he cried with a loud voice, Allah Akbar, seven times, turning round, turning round to all the sides of the Kaaba. He also appointed it to be the Kebla, or place toward which the Mussulmans should turn themselves when they pray. Remounting his camel, he now rode once more seven times round the Kaaba, and again alighting, bowed himself twice before it. He next visited the well Zemzem, and from thence passed to the station of Abraham. Here he stopped a while, and ordering a pail of water to be brought from the Zemzem, he drank several large draughts, and then made the holy washing called Watu. Immediately all his followers imitated his example, purifying themselves and washing their faces. After this, Mahomet, standing at the door of the Kaaba, made a harangue to the following effect. There is no other god but God who has fulfilled his promise to his servant and who alone has put to flight his enemies and put under my feet everything that is visible, men, animals, goods, riches, except only the government of the Kaaba and the keeping of the cup for the pilgrims to drink out of. As for you, O ye Koreshites, God hath taken from you the pride of paganism, which caused you to worship as deities our fathers Abraham and Ishmael, though they were men descended from Adam, who was created out of the earth having a mind to bestow on one of his own friends the prefecture of the kaaba he took the keys of it from othman the son of tella and was about to give them to alabas who had asked for them when a direction came to him from heaven in these words give the charge to whom it belongs whereupon he returned the keys by ali to othman who, being agreeably surprised, thanked Mahomet, and made a new profession of his faith. The Pilgrim's Cup, however, he consigned to the care of al-Abbas, in whose family it became hereditary. The people of Mecca were next summoned to the hill al-Safa to witness Mahomet's inauguration. The prophet, having first taken an oath to them, the men first, and then the women, bound themselves by oath to be faithful and obedient to whatsoever he should command them. After this he summoned an extraordinary assembly, in which it was decreed that Mecca should be henceforward an asylum or inviolable sanctuary, within which it should be unlawful to shed the blood of man, or even to fell a tree. After telling the Meccans they were his slaves by conquest, he pardoned and declared them free, with the exception of eleven men and six women, whom, as his most inveterate enemies, he proscribed, ordering his followers to kill them wherever they should find them. Most of them obtained their pardon by embracing Islamism, and were ever after the most zealous of Muslims. One of these, Abdullah, who had greatly offended Mahomet, was brought to him by Othman, upon whose intercession Mahomet pardoned him. Before he granted his pardon, he maintained a long silence, in expectation, as he afterward owned, that some of those about him would fall upon Abdullah and kill him. Of the women, three embraced Islamism and were pardoned. The rest were put to death, one being crucified. Mahomet now set out Khalid and others to destroy the idols which were still retained by some of the tribes, and to invite them to Islamism. Khalid executed his commission with great brutality. The Jadhamites had formerly robbed and murdered Khalid's uncle as he journeyed from Arabia Felix. Khalid having proposed Islamism to them, they cried out. They professed Sabiism. This was what he wanted he immediately fell upon them killing some and making others prisoners of these he distributed some among his men and reserved others for himself as for the latter having tied their hands behind them he put them all to the sword On hearing of this slaughter, Mahomet lifted up his eyes and protested his innocence of this murder, and immediately sent Ali with a sum of money to make satisfaction for the bloodshed and to restore the plunder. Ali paid to the surviving Jadamites as much as they demanded, and generously divided the overplus among them. This action Mahomet applauded, and afterward reproved Khalid for his cruelty. End of section 21